As we've been reporting at WTIP in the middle of May, there's been extremely high water levels from the North Shore rivers and streams to the inland lakes across Cook County and the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. One paddler to the Boundary Waters on the fishing opener weekend experienced this high water level firsthand. Joining us now is Craig Regep. He is a resident of Hanover, Minnesota. Craig, thanks for joining us on WTIP. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, what happened, your situation. You came up, you were doing a canoe trip, you rented a solo Kevlar canoe from Sawtooth Outfitters, the outfitter here on the North Shore in Tofty. Pick up your canoe, you're going up the Arrowhead Trail, you have an entry permit uh, for North Fowl. That means you start on John Lake at the end of the Arrowhead, and it includes uh, paddling the Royal River to get to North Fowl. Craig, tell us about what happened next. Yeah, so... When I got to the entry point, you could definitely tell the water was really high and, and the dock was submerged underwater. And it was a beautiful day out. So I, you know, launched my canoe. I didn't have very much stuff, you know, uh, a pack and a, and a cooler bag. And I uh, got out onto, I guess it's probably Little John that you get out onto. And um, actually, first I noticed that the current from McFarland into Little John was really strong. And I was like, uh, you know, surprised about how strong it was. So I get out on Little John and, you know, just, enjoying finally being out of the boundary waters after the five and a half hour drive and, and rent the canoe and everything and went into John Lake and noticed off to the northwest it was basically just packed ice uh there was really no way around it and while you could have normally you know skirted and gone straight to the Royal River there was ice on the southeast side as well so I kind of had to go north well into uh John Lake and then come kind of like back southeast and there was just the slightest trail of water where there was ice on both sides you know i would say 20 feet wide maybe i was able to get through there and i was into the mouth of the royal river where i just heard you know tons of rapids and everything and went up into the royal river and i couldn't find the portage so i kind of went up you know on the right uh, I guess it would be the south side, and went up there looking for the portage, but couldn't find it because everything was flooded. If I had to guess, you know, again, I've never been up in this area. If I had to guess, it, you know, you know, twice as wide as it, as it normally would be. So I couldn't find the portage and spent a good amount of time up into the trees on the shore, you know, trying to find a place where I could get out and then walk towards the portage or, or at least get out and go look for it. But there was so much snow. And when I tried to get out of the, the canoe, my foot would just go down to my knee in snow. And, and I think I saw where the path was, but it was just covered in snow. And by then I was uh, just a bit, you know, tired out of trying to get out of the canoe and that sort of thing. So I went to, there's a, there's a campsite that's right there at the mouth of the Royal River on the north end there. And kind of got out and looked at my map a little bit more and decided, okay, well, I could just stay here for the night, you know, but it's an hour from the entry point, and my plan was to do a entire loop up through Moose Mountain, down into Clearwater and Caribou, and, and back to time. So I said, you know what, I'm going to give it one more go and look for for this portage. And I remember seeing some pictures on Paddle Planner, and there was this downed tree that was still there. And from the looks of it, it was right past this downed tree where the entrance to the portage was. Unfortunately, though, that was already in the rapids. So I kind of go to this downed tree and try to hang on to the down tree as I pull myself around. But basically, I, I lost a grip of the tree and went 
basically backwards down into the rapids. So I, I got, I was able to turn the canoe forward. So I'm at least going down forward, but I maybe lasted maybe a minute down these rapids and took a big wave of water into the canoe. And I remember it was like slow motion, took a big wave of water. And I remember thinking like, Oh, that's a lot of water. Well, then the canoe started tipping down <clears throat> to, to the left. And before I knew it, I'm, I'm in the water and I'm holding onto the canoe going down the rapids. And then all of a sudden the canoe just bangs into a tree. Uh, I think I held on. And once kind of the current took me, I went under, uh, under the water. And so I had to let go. I couldn't even pull myself up. I had to let go. The canoe was lodged there under the tree. And I remember seeing my main pack a little bit further down from me. And then I have like a cooler bag with my first time using the cooler bag. Um, so I just hung onto the cooler bag and floated down. And, and, you know, I think I went under a few times, but floated down, you know, it's hard to do timing, but you know, it was probably only a few minutes and reached a calm spot. Uh, I don't know if I actually passed through all the rapids or if it was just a calm spot and there were more rapids. I, I don't know. I didn't take the time to look. So I swam downstream to get my pack and brought it all to shore. And I finally got it onto dry land and, you know, tried to pick it up, but it was so waterlogged and heavy that I just couldn't pick it up. And so at that point, I actually remember saying out loud to myself, well, now what? <laughs> or now what do I do? And usually if I'm in a rapid situation, I clip a dry bag with my phone and keys to my life vest. And I was wearing a life vest, which probably saved me, but I wasn't expecting to do any whitewater rafting. So the dry bag was actually clipped to the canoe. So I knew that, you know, the only way I could get out, I mean, and again, I mean, the water's freezing, it's 50 something degrees outside and sunny, which is good. So I knew I had to get my phone and keys out of my car, out of the canoe and get to my car. So I actually walked back upstream, I think mostly on land, until I could see where the canoe was. And it was completely submerged with the hull facing like uh, upstream and uh, basically said a prayer. And I'm, I'm not a, a religious person. And I jumped back in the water and luckily got back and hit the same, hit the canoe basically with my body. Um, and then, so the canoe was kind of like underneath a limb. So I was able to kind of stand on the limb and put my hand down into the canoe and feel for my bag. And, and after a number of tries, uh, probably about five minutes, I was able to unhook the bag and it was filled with water, but luckily I just got a new iPhone and I think uh, it has some water resistance. So I got it out and then I just went on shore and I knew that that campsite that I had stopped at earlier wasn't far. So I walked back to that campsite, you know, took off my clothes and laid on, laid on the rocks, just shivering uncontrollably. And I, I, you know, I laid down and I remember, you know, uh, I've never been in that situation before of possibly becoming hypothermic. And I lay down to try to get warm and then I would get up and walk around, <clears throat> maybe do some jumping jacks and then lay back down. And after I, I would say 20, 30 minutes, I stopped shivering and had to decide what to do. So I was now on the North side of that river, but my car is was South of there. And I knew my pack was waterlogged and the pack was on the, is, is on the South side of the river too. So I had to cross the river again at the Royal river after I had just gotten all warmed up. So I got a stick, uh, cause 
even right there, which you're not even anywhere close to the rapids, really. I mean, the rapids are a good 100 yards down from there. The current was super strong. I had a hard time standing up to get across. So uh, I... I got across, found a log or something to, you know, take my clothes off again and warm up. At that point, decided, do I go back for my pack, right, which is incredibly hard to carry uh, because it's waterlogged and stuff. In retrospect now, I, I, I wish I would have gone back and at least grabbed some things. But I just said, you know what, this is, this is life or death. Uh, even if I get my stuff, it'll have to be completely dry. Otherwise, I can't spend the night out here soaked. Um, or even a little damp, being um, how cold it got. So, uh, luckily, I have uh, my watch on, my Apple Watch on, which has a compass, um, and then my phone does get a GPS signal. So, using both those tools, I was able to bushwhack my way south back to the entry point. But that slog was probably the worst of it because you would normally just be able to follow the shoreline and really be no problem. But there were so many patches of snow that I would, I would step on the snow and I would go down to my knee or my upper thigh and then have to, you know, wrench myself out of it. And you couldn't follow the shoreline because of all the flooding. So I had to keep going east and then south. And then, you know, then I could go southwest, but I'd have to go east back again. I don't know the distance, but I would say it took me five hours to slog through having to stop to warm up my feet, which were going numb um, pretty often. And finally, I made it to the BRT and was able to follow that west and south, which still was hard because there's still patches of snow that I would go down in, into and, and whatnot. And finally made it back to my car. Luckily, I always keep a dry change of clothes in my car. So I got in my car and, and uh, drove back uh, down the arrowhead and noticed that they had put a road close sign um, after I had gone through. And yeah, basically went to Grand, Grand Marais went to the grocery store that was there and grabbed some food, some medicine, some bandages. I nursed my wounds for, for a few days up there before heading back down. Wow. So Craig, it sounds like your life was, was on the line. It sounds like it's at certain times here. Definitely. I, I think, you know, in retrospect, it's, you know, uh, it's, you know, you try to like explain it away that it wasn't really that bad, but I think at the time, yes. I mean, all I really was worrying about was hypothermia because I had never been in that situation. Luckily, it was early enough in the day and a sunny day that I had time to make it back to my car. And the canoe is gone, is, is lost, that you rented from Sawtooth? Yeah, the, so I called uh, Sawtooth the next day, um, let them know. I mean, it's, it was pinned um, underneath that tree branch, so I'm pretty sure it's still there somewhat, but yeah, they think it's basically probably trash. So they are going to either the forestry service or, or send someone out there from, from the outfitters to see if they can recover it once the water goes down. Mm-hmm. First of all, Craig, thank you for, for sharing that story. It's a, it's a very hard story for you to recount uh, with me being a stranger and, and somebody who just called you out of the blue, essentially. So thank you, Craig, for doing that. Is it, uh, what, what, what can we learn from this experience of yours? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, uh, relatively experienced. You know, I've been doing 10 to 15 years of solo trips, either in, in, you know, uh, state parks or state forests or in the boundary waters. And I I think the big thing is to not underestimate how strong the currents can be after a, you know, big rain and, and ice melt like, like there was, I think it's also to trust your instincts 
right? I, I have that, whatever, that sixth sense, right? That I shouldn't go, you know, too far into these rapids or as far as I did into these rapids. And I, I think when you're out in the wilderness, especially by yourself, but you should, again, definitely trust your instincts and, and just make sure you make the right decisions. Any thoughts of uh, when you'll be back to the Boundary Waters? Is this going to change the way you view the wilderness? I'm going to be calling the Forestry Service to see when you know they think the water goes down, and I may actually head up there uh, on Sunday to retrieve my packs if, if no one else can can get it. And actually, I asked my wife. I said, uh, "Are are you going to let me try the trip again?" Right? I'll probably do it in August or September with lower waters. But even if this didn't, even if this accident didn't occur, and I was just basically sitting on John Lake for for three nights, I think I would try the trip again. So. So no, uh, I don't think it's changed my opinion on going. In fact, I remember being out on John Lake and saying to myself, saying out loud, because you know, you're by yourself, that this is my happy place. So definitely, no, I am going to try this trip again and do it successfully later this summer. Okay. Well, again, thank you for sharing your story with us. We're speaking with Craig Regip. He is from Hanover, Minnesota. He was in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness on May 13th. 2022, he was paddling from Little John Lake into the Royal River, getting to North Fowl, and then was planning to do a big loop up through Moose and Mountain Clearwater, back through Pine, uh, but uh, capsized on the river and escaped that situation. Uh, Thank you so much, Craig, for sharing your story with us. Really appreciate it. Sure. Thanks, Joe.